Hello, I'm Gemma Atkinson and welcome to The Petcast, brought to you by leading pet charity, Blue Cross. This episode is all about keeping your pet healthy. I get told all the time as people say, oh no, that's, he's a Labrador, that's how he's supposed to look. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, he really isn't. Alison Brennan is a senior vet for Blue Cross. 12 million households in the UK have a pet and it's Alison's job to try and help owners keep their pets happy and healthy. People are always surprised, but you, you can get specific doggy toothbrushes and also doggy toothpaste that's kind of meaty flavoured. And sometimes that involves a little bit of myth busting. What's the best milk for a cat? No milk. No milk? <laughs> so yeah, it can actually cause them to have an upset tummy. And that's what we do on the Petcast. We have candid conversations around the big issues facing pet lovers like me and you, with some of the UK's leading pet experts on hand to give us their best tips, tricks and guidance. So welcome, Alison. Um, thank you for doing this Petcast. What are the key steps, do you think, to, to keeping a pet healthy when it comes to like diet and exercise? How do we keep them in tip-top shape? Well, I guess... The first thing is diet-wise, I guess, to, to the best sort of diet that you can really feed dogs and cats or kind of just a dry commercial dog or cat food is usually the easiest, most convenient way to feed pets. Mm. There are a huge amount of different diets available. Usually the better quality ones come in a variety of different life stages. Um, and obviously it is a little bit as well, you know, quality. Often you will pay a little bit more for a better quality yeah. cat or dog food. The main thing is to feed for the right stage that they're at. So with puppies, it is important that you feed them a puppy diet. Um, until they're of a suitable age, um, which varies a bit with the size of dog. Um, And then once they get a bit older as well, it may be that they need a more senior diet too. At what age will they... Because we have um, dry kibble for our two and I'm at the verge now, my Ollie's nine and Norman's eight, would they be considered a senior now? Yeah, generally animals over the age of kind of seven or eight actually would be considered more senior. And it may be, I know it feels a bit harsh, (laughs) but it is at those ages that, you know, different, they don't need quite as many calories. um, like I guess with us when we reach middle yeah, age everything slows down a bit isn't more it? careful about our metabolism obviously it depends on your pet if they have certain conditions as well as they get older like kidney disease or heart disease it may be that your vet would recommend a slightly different prescription diet for them um, but yeah I mean generally like I said I guess a, a dry complete diet is usually quite good for dogs with cats the same sometimes giving them a bit of wet isn't such a bad idea as well we had a lady in on one of our other episodes and she said every dog and cat really should have a waist. Um, now, my Absolutely. Norman, he's, he's curly and I, <laughs> I had him cut and he's still, he's a little bit on the plump side. He's a, he's a curvy dog, our Norm. Yeah. Um, so we are trying to get his waist down. Is that important, obviously, with regards to the health? It is really, really important. And I think it's what's difficult is that, unfortunately, obesity is a big problem with pets these yeah. days. And I think a part of it comes from as well, um, people's um, idea of what the norm is has slightly changed um, because of the fact that more animals are a bit overweight. So a common question I get asked or, or more a statement that I get told all the time is people say, oh no, that's, he's a Labrador, that's how he's supposed to look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, he really isn't. <laughs> but it's, um, again... Like you were saying, I guess sometimes it's hard if they're particularly long-haired to to yeah. exactly see that waist. But it, ideally, if you look for, at them from above, you should see the waist or again from the side, they should tuck up underneath their ribs. But also feeling them, um, you should be able to feel their spine or their ribs with... 
um, with gentle pressure. Obviously, if you can see them very easily or as soon as you touch them, you feel bone, yeah, that's not that's, a good sign. No, that's the other end um, of it. But the other way, if you're having to dig deep to feel the, the ribs or the, the spine, then um, then that's, that's not... Yeah. <laughs> not too can good small pets get obese as well? Things like rabbits and hamsters, can they be... Just yeah, the same. they can um, definitely. I think people um, don't realise that you do, you know, uh, have to be quite cautious with small pets because they kind of have to be fed kind of they're like grazers basically mm. um but equally you can leave out too much um particularly if you're feeding them too much cereals or treats that sort of thing they can gain weight so with rabbits is if they start to have a bit of a podgy belly yeah. <laughs> or a they look cuter podgier, don't they? But it's obviously not good for them. That's I know the it's it's difficult. They do look cute, but again, I guess it has to. It's um, thinking of the the health, how 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 unwell they bec- can become if they are too overweight. How hard difficult it can be for their joints and that sort of thing. See, I got into a habit. I've I've got out of it now. And boy, the day let me know they give me the sad eyes. When I used to have a meal, I used to instantly cut two little pieces off and put the two pieces to the side of my plate. And those would be for Norman and Ollie at the end of my meal. <laughs> and they used to sit because they knew it was coming. Yeah. And I realised my mum was doing the same thing when they were at her house. Oh, really? <laughs> my sister was doing the same. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, they're, they're having way too many treats. Yes, yeah. Um, so we've knocked that on the head and they, they still sit there and, you know, they make me feel guilty for it. But is that something we have to be wary of, you know, human food? I suppose I wouldn't give like that type of food to my daughter to say like so why would I do it to my pets type thing that's exactly the right way to think about it as well as you feel like you're you're being cruel when they look at you with those sad eyes but in reality again if if children came crying to you about wanting more sweets you wouldn't kind of constantly give it to them even if they looked as cute yeah you've got to be cruel (laughs) to be kind I suppose exactly yeah in the long run it's going to be better for them not to do so and um, with regards to obviously Blue Cross do a lot of rehoming um, and with so vaccinations are needed for animals to, well certain animals to go outside or to be rehomed, what vaccinations are a must have for, for pets? So with um, dogs, um, there's the general vaccinations that, that most vets will give to your, your dogs and we recommend um, are against parvovirus, uh, distemper, hepatitis and parainfluenza virus and leptospirosis and um, generally they have to have a puppy course at the start and then have yearly injections going onwards. Mm. Um, some of the diseases that we protect against um, are, I mean, I, I still see, unfortunately, dogs dying of parvovirus and leptospirosis. I've seen a few this year. So it is really important that animals are protected against these diseases. With cats, uh, generally we, we vaccinate against uh, feline enteritis, leukaemia um, and cat flu as well. Um, enteritis and leukaemia it can both be very serious diseases um, that can can cause death as well. Uh, with flu, it's again it's quite like the human um, human flu. It doesn't necessarily stop them from getting it completely, but it can it can reduce the clinical signs significantly and and means that if they do get flu, it's not quite as bad. And again, um, generally, um, we advise that they're given a course as kittens and then yearly going onwards. But I mean. Apart from everything else, you know, with a healthy animal, they're coming for a booster vaccination. I mean, ideally, you would have your animal checked once a year. So mm. it's kind of a good idea to bring them once a year anyway to have their injections and, and have a check over. Because sometimes little things like weight loss can be picked up on those yearly yeah. checks before it actually becomes a problem. And when you say, obviously, you as a vet, you advise they have this done. Is it, I'm, I'm being naive because I don't know, is it? 
is there a law that you have to, if you own a pet you have to get these vaccinations done or is it just down to the owner no it's not it's it's down to the owner and i guess you know vaccines can be quite controversial you know some people yeah. really don't agree with them personally seeing like i said pets in in the hospital that i work in die every year from leptospirosis that could be prevented. Parvo, you know yeah. things that can be prevented and would you say when it comes to neutering a pet, it's more important? I mean, obviously mine have, have been done, but I think my friends who own cats have had theirs done like straight away because obviously yes. cats roam about and you don't know what they're doing yeah. or who. Um, so yeah. is that something that you, you advise as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, With cats, again, we usually suggest neutering them at about five months of age. Um um, particularly because they, apart from obviously unwanted pregnancies, um, they can pick up a lot of diseases from mating. So like feline leukaemia virus um, and uh, feline immunodeficiency virus, like feline AIDS. Oh, wow. Um, cats can pick that up from mating. Um, equally, um, they can, a lot of male cats that fight can pick up feline AIDS too. And so, and again, those diseases can, you know, they live, there's no cure for them and cats live with them all their lives and can make them very unwell. So that's why it's so important, in my opinion, to, to neuter your cat. Um, the other thing is like with female dogs, um, female cats can actually get um, um, uh, infection in the uterus called a pyometra as they get older, which can be quite serious and sometimes fatal. Um, and they have to have um, surgery when they're quite un- unwell, have uh, be spayed when they're quite unwell. So obviously spaying them when they're well is, is a so better way option, to, yeah. to protect them. And the other thing is do- both dogs and cats, if you if female dogs and cats, if you neuter them earlier in life, you, you like dramatically reduce the chance of them getting mammary cancers, which is obviously not a nice thing to see your pet go through or to have to have surgery to remove these lumps and that sort of thing. Wow, so. there's, there's so much. I just assumed it was literally to stop them having kittens or puppies. Yeah. But when you put it like that, it makes even more sense. Absolutely. More sense to do it. Yeah, there's so many health benefits to it. That's why yeah. you know we do um, really recommend it. And, and also there's so many unwanted um, puppies and kittens in the world. Yeah. You know, we spend um, a lot of time rehoming all these pets every every year that are unwanted. That you know, again, it is better to to not get caught with loads and loads of kittens. Yeah. No, your house would be destroyed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, Alison, you and your colleagues, you must get asked loads of questions every day. So I wanted yeah. to just get your thoughts on a few of these commonly asked questions. Some of Absolutely. them I'm dying to know as well, just so we can get our <laughs> listeners on the right track. So I'm going to start off with food. Yeah. Okay. Cats. Can cats have cow's milk or cat milk? What's the best milk for a cat? So ideally, um, once they're, you know, not no longer with their mother, no milk. No milk. <laughs> so yeah, they don't oh, wow. they don't need to have um milk and um adult cats and kittens, they don't actually have the enzyme to digest cow's milk. So um whilst they might quite like it, it, yeah. it can actually cause them to have an upset tummy. Um So is it just like water is best for so them? So yeah, just water and as long they don't need there's no nutrients in it that they wouldn't just get in their normal food. So you can get um you know, artificial kitten kittens milk, yeah. um, which will do no harm, but it's just an unnecessary expense. All they need is the water and the food, you know, as long as they're getting wow. a complete diet. That makes so much <laughs> sense because I don't have milk. I have um, um, almond milk or any alternative. Yeah. And I was reading that we're the only species that drink another species' milk. Yeah. And obviously we're trying to force it on poor cats as well when they don't need it. 
Yeah. So it does make sense. Like they drink the rum's milk when they're kittens. Yes, exactly. And then just onto water. Yeah, they get huge benefits from that, obviously, from their mother's milk, yeah. the same way as babies do off us. But after, after they're weaned, there's no requirement for it. And we also think of when we think of cats, um, again, I think it's from like Tom and Jerry and stuff, the cats eat fish. Is it okay to give them tin tuna and stuff? Is that all right? Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's as a treat giving some fish or, I mean, sometimes we might suggest it to people to, to feed particularly cod, white fish. It's a bit more gentle in the stomach if, if an animal's feeling unwell, just to try and That's greasy, tempt them. That's isn't it? Um, if, it's, if it's just like, again... I guess um, a grilled a grilled cod or something like that. That's not not too bad. That is just um, to try and encourage them to eat if they're feeling a bit unwell. In those situations, it's okay or as a treat. But fish as a diet purely on its own um, for a cat doesn't provide enough nutrients, and it can actually cause heart problems if they're fed only fish alone. Um, Again, with cats, they can actually weirdly become a little bit addicted to fish. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you just kind of give them fish-flavoured food, sometimes it can be very different to get them to eat anything else at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually, again, the best thing is to feed them a complete dry food or, again, a complete wet food. Um, keep and it keep it to the one kind of flavour because they can become... You can feed different flavours of the same... Um, make a food but um the more variety you give cats can be become particularly picky and Very then you end up spending a fortune of the cats little divas <laughs> yeah they really are and when if we go on to dogs um you sometimes see dogs with massive bone at christmas normally and all they get a big bone is that is that frowned upon should i be doing that ideally they shouldn't have any bones at all mm. unfortunately i know people kind of um feel like they want to again probably comes from cartoons of yeah. dogs running around with these big bones but um chicken bones in particular can be a big problem because they can fracture and they can when they eat them um and they can um get lodged in different parts of their intestines yes, it's um, dangerous exactly it's really quite dangerous and the same thing with them um, with to be honest, you know, people come in and they say, "Oh, I feed him lamb bones, but that's fine. It's just chicken bones that are a problem. All bones, unfortunately, can cause serious issues. I've re- removed a few bones from animals' intestines that have gotten lodged. Um, Is it the same with sticks and things? Because obviously, some dogs like to chew sticks, don't they? Could they? obviously get lodged. Exactly. They can get lodged either in their intestines or actually with sticks what often happens is um, little splinters can come off and they can bury bury underneath their um, into their gums or into and, and migrate through their, their body. So sometimes we see um, dogs come in, particularly in the summertime, um, with you know s- huge swellings or abscesses around their necks or their jaw because they've they've been chewing on stick and a splinter has gotten caught like caught and migrated into their skin, um, mm-hmm. and they can again either have to you know be quite unwell and need antibiotics and that sort of thing, or they sometimes have to have surgery to to flush abscesses or remove them that sort of thing. So, it is ideally better not to give your dog sticks to chew on. It's better to to kind of um, to think about really good sturdy toys or like mm-hmm. Kong toys as well are usually very yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they keep them distracted and they're quite good for them to chew on. And where where I live, my dogs um, they can go off lead safely, and it's a, you know it's a safe area. And the one thing they always it's, they always find it, they always navigate to it, and it's awful—a smell of its own. The fox poo. Yeah. He loves Norman rolls in it. Ollie eats yeah. it, 
and then they'll go and they'll eat grass as well. Yeah, like, yeah. Why is that? Is is it, it can't be healthy for them? Surely, I'm, I scream at them to stop. But by the time I get there, they've swallowed it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it is, I mean, there's certain things that sometimes are completely yeah, <laughs> beyond awful. your control. Um, but it is. Um, th- I mean, it's just to be honest with both grass and, and poo. It's kind of this the the taste of it. Oh, right. uh, poo. It's the smell of it. I think it intrigues them. They can smell kind of other dogs off it, and um, because it's so smells so strongly you know I guess for dogs such a huge part of how they explore and investigate is by smelling and tasting this. yes that's true they go straight to the back end don't they to exactly. meet someone so it wouldn't it wouldn't do them like any harm in the long because that's what I worry about I always think I mean even if it must taste nicer than weirdly yeah. I think it can't be it can't be anything nice in it um grass is is not a problem if they if they eat a bit of grass um if they were eating it excessively and vomiting and that sort of thing, then obviously I would say to go to your your vets and, and speak to them, particularly if they're vomiting. It, with if poo, it is ideally better if you can try and deter them from doing it. Um, and obviously, you know, kind of if you see them try and um, distract them away or having good recall and getting them to come back, if, if you do see them um, going towards it. I mean, the main thing would be to in these situations to keep up to date with worming and parasite control, mm. um, because that's obviously a big way that they can pick up infections is from from eating other animals, uh, other animals' poo, um, and obviously with, in certain cases, you know, if I don't know, in, in cases where puppies might be a bit quite hungry or a bit bored, that might be another reason why they run in and eat other animals. Yeah. So, so again, distracting them with other things when you're out and about might be the best kind of idea with different games and that sort of thing. And you said then when puppies are hungry, when I put the food down for Norman and Ollie, Norman will eat and when he's had enough, he'll walk away. Yeah. Ollie will eat and eat and eat and then he'll look at me to finish Norman's. How do you know, like... A dog's always hungry, or is it just a case of he's just a greedy dog and I have to just give him his two meals a day and that and know that he's being fulfilled? Yeah, I think it is. Unfortunately, some dogs are just a bit greedier than yeah. other dogs. Oh, <laughs> he's so greedy. Yeah. He'd eat till um, he's sick. He yeah. would eat till he was sick. Yeah, I guess, again, um, it's probably just quite similar to us. You know, some of us have huge appetites and others yeah. not as much. And it just, um, that is the thing, I guess, being aware that he, you you kind of know that yourself, that he, w- he would just keep eating and eating yeah. and eating. So as long, I mean, again, feeding generally the advice would be to look at the back of the packet of the food that you're giving and go off their weight. Go off yeah. their weight and usually there's a range. Generally we advise to give the lower end of the range and unless and as you're feeding it, if they start losing weight then to increase it slightly, but otherwise you start at the at the bottom and work up if you're if you're concerned. And when it comes to like teeth cleaning on animals, I've seen advertised you can have, it's almost a treat that you give them and at the same time it cleans the teeth. Is that like a myth or because they both they both have the teeth cleaned, but funny enough, Ollie's had to have his done twice so far in his, yeah. in his lifespan. Norman's had his one. Norman's a pearly white, beautiful teeth, <laughs> whereas Ollie's, they, they get really bad brown stains yeah. on them. Even though he's had them cleaned, it's come back and they eat the same things. Yes, yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure why that is. It's. I think it's just, that, again, kind of similar to us. Um, you know, obviously, again, some people need tend to work multiple times in their life and yeah. others, you know, never have to go to the dentist. It can be slightly to do with, like, the confirmation of their mouth, um, that sort of thing. Food, generally, you know, a lot of people think, oh, 
I feed my dog dry food that'll stop his, you know, that's it's better than wet food because it stops a buildup of plaque in the teeth. And that's actually not true at all. Mm. Unfortunately, no matter what you feed them, they still will get plaque building up. The best way to stop it from building up is to brush their teeth. Um, oh, yourself? Yeah, oh, exactly. Wow. <laughs> Which um, people are always surprised, but you you can actually train dogs to, to do it. Dogs are, and, and some people have trained cats personally I've never come across it (laughs) but it does but it it does happen um and um the main thing is because you get um you can get specific doggy toothbrushes and also doggy toothpaste that's kind of meaty flavored so they quite like it (laughs) I might try that actually yeah yeah it is it is a good idea to stop it building up yeah I mean the trouble is I guess it's if we didn't wash our teeth every you know twice a day like we're advised yeah, for years we'd we'd get a build up too you know we all you know most people need a scale and polish every so often yeah. so it's not that unusual for dogs that it would build up too and with a, a dog and cat's breath as well is that down to what they're eating or is that just Again, like some people, they're unfortunate. It is actually, to be honest. It is funny because it, it, it can, um, it is something that people ask us all the time. And sometimes, yeah, I mean, that would be the main way of, of, um, finding out if, if an animal had had dental problems is if, yeah. you, it, if if your animal does have particularly smelly breath it's worth bringing to them to the vet and having it checked um and sometimes that can be because of a build up of plaque or a damage to the teeth sometimes um though their teeth are fine and they might just have slightly smelly breath and it might be to do with um to do with the um the food they eat or again fox like food, food. yeah Ollie's exactly <laughs> no wonder um and there was a video going around ages ago um it was made into quite a funny video they put music on it and it was of a pug and it sat like shuffling its bum oh, and, yeah. and someone actually commented underneath it in, in the vet profession and said it's you know it's a cute video however it's a sign that something it's it's not comfortable yeah, uh, possibly yeah. it's anal glands so because a lot of the time you see dogs you know dragging themselves and cats yes um and at first you think oh they've just got an itchy bottom yeah but um when whenever they do it um we have to take them to the vet and she empties the anal glands exactly is that what that sign is yeah exactly right yeah it's um it can be a sign of a a few different things to be honest the most common thing is again an an anal gland problem and anal glands are two little scent producing sacs that are just at either side of their bottom at five and eight o'clock and they just um they are meant to empty out but in some animals sometimes they don't empty properly and the fluid builds up and it can be quite uncomfortable and painful for them sometimes mm. and sometimes if it's not empty they can actually get abscesses and and it can make them quite unwell so yeah if you did see that sign the recommendation would be to bring them straight to your vet just to get that checked it's quite an easy thing um, not the most enjoyable of all the jobs I have to do. No, I was going to say that it sounds awful. It doesn't smell like poo to me. It smells like a fish. I know. Yeah, it, smells, it does. Well, like, I think it's not myself, nice. Why does it smell a fish when it's come from his bum? Do you know I what know. I mean? It's awful. Um, it can also be a sign of worms, though. So right. it equally, if they are rubbing their bottom, that would be the first thing that they would check. Um, and it may be that your vet would recommend um, making sure that you know, or um, t- taking a wormer, or just checking that you're up to date with your worming. Um, so yeah, definitely worth getting checked if you see that sign. And with animals, um, I personally, they don't lick my mouth, I'm against that, but normally and Ollie do lick my face and they lick my nose in the morning and I just, I love it. But I know a lot of people 
say to me, it's disgusting, you shouldn't let them do that. Is it is it bad for them, you know, cats as well? Someone said to me, if a cat rubs its face on you or licks you, it's their way of showing affection. Is yeah. that true or is it just they like the taste of you? Yeah, I think it's like they want to show you affection, definitely. Um, I think it's probably a little bit of a personal thing. I guess you always have to be aware that, you know, dogs lick their bums and eat other poo yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, there is a high possibility that they could like give on. give you yeah. something. Well, I guess my recommendation would be that to keep up to date with their worming and yeah. their flea keep treatment them because there are certain worms that people can get. It is rare that they would infect people um yeah. but they but they can. So it is always a good idea to to make sure that they're up to date with their their worming. Um and probably to again just make sure that you wash your hands after like Afterwards. I'm <laughs> totally using this as a free vet consultation. <laughs> yeah. Apologies. Um, right. Uh, so we want to ask the question if my cat lies around all day, um I'm envisioning Garfield, um should they be worried? Is that a bad sign? You know, I mean some cats will just be slightly lazier than others, but cats can get quite bored and as a result if they're lying around all day they can become quite overweight and again while going back to what you were saying about them looking very cute uh, it is it it can be a big problem and it can lead to things like them having again sore joints and having diabetes is very common in overweight cats and they can have other problems like urinary health problems that sort of thing So um, it is important to try and stimulate your your cat to to do exercise if they are being a bit lazy. There's lots of different ways you can do this, um, obviously with different toys, um, ping pong balls. um, You know, um, you can actually get activity food balls for cats. So um, I've seen them and they have to like physically pour the kibble out and things. Exactly. Because yeah. I guess when you think of cats in the wild, you know, they have to, have to, um, hunt, for have to hunt for their yeah. food and they're used to having that sort of brain stimula- stimulation. So um, having these balls where they have to play around with them to release their food is a good idea. Or again, you can get um, uh, f- food balls that actually have kind of um, like rubber spikes and that sort of thing in them where they have to try and um, play with their food a little bit to release it, that mm. sort of thing. Um, those are all good ways of trying to get your, your pet stimulated and to get them moving around a little bit as well. And with regards to like small animals like rats or, you know, hamsters, yeah. um, are they OK? We used to have, when I was younger, we had, um, I had two gerbils and I used to get them out of the cage and, and let them run around and, and then put them back in and that, that was, you know, where they slept or whatever. Is it okay to bring them out of cages often or is it best to kind of give them a big enough space and that's kind of where they're left type thing? Yeah, I guess it's... um it Ideally, I guess with, let's say, smaller pets like hamsters and uh, rats and gerbils, that sort of thing, um, I probably um, supervised in a pen would be better than just loose around the house because mm. obviously they can escape into kind of tiny yeah. nooks and crannies that you Mine might... went under the fridge. Really? <laughs> My gerbil went under the fridge and he was there for literally a full day. Oh, yeah. Because um, my dad was working away and my mum said, I'm not, I'm not getting him. Yeah. Um, and my dad had to physically remove the fridge and he scurried out and my mum screamed and it was yeah. all chaos. Um, <laughs> 
But yeah, yeah they, they're very quick, aren't they, as yeah, well? Yeah, they are. And again, you know, it, it can be quite serious if they do get trapped in, in mm. areas like that um, and where they're quite difficult to, to get out. Um, and and also they can kind of, there's a possibility that they could ingest things that they shouldn't have if they're running around freely. So ideally in a, in a pen, obviously the best, it, another good thing is to have like a, a, a suitably sized cage or um, for them that has things like tunnels in it um, so that they can scurry through them and and run around or even just again um i guess for let's say hamsters having a hamster wheel but it has to be a, a reasonably sized wheel as well it can't if they're too small they can actually damage their backs running on them oh, wow. so you have to be careful about the size they, of the and they have them balls as well for hamsters don't they like a plastic ball yes. that they put in and they can yeah, I think generally the, um, now the feeling is with those that they aren't ideal because they can um, wear themselves out very quickly and then they can't escape from them. So it is a little, oh, it can be a bit yeah. stressful for them, yeah. um, which again, I guess years ago, I, like I remember having one and, and yeah, you never you never really thinking so, of no. that. But um, it, it does make sense. You can see how it would be quite stressful for a tiny yeah, little creature stuck bad, in there. Yeah. Uh, well, Alison, <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, you've been really, really helpful. And I've, uh, I've learned a lot about my two. So thank you for joining us. You're very welcome. And thank you for having me. That's it for this petcast, but there's tons more information on our website. So head over to bluecross.org.uk forward slash podcast. Whether you've got a moggy or a mongrel, a Syrian hamster or shire horse, Blue Cross have got you covered. If you've enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a fellow pet lover or write us a review on your podcast app, which will help people find it more easily. I'm Gemma Atkinson. The Petcast is a Bengal media production for Blue Cross. <laughs>